This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Watch the left field deep. Bam going back. Looking up. He will watch it fly. And 29 other MLB clubs. 2-2 pitch on Trout, and he blasts one. Way back. It's one out. So he's your home run derby champion. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From spin rate to juiced balls to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. What is going on, everybody? Yes, it is A's Cast Live. As we're getting you ready for game three between the Athletics and the Texas Rangers coming up here in just a little bit. And we will have at 3.15, we're going to have Dontrell, Dontrell Willis at 3.15 and then the great Ray Fothy at 3.30. And what a game last night as the A's pounded the Texas Rangers 13-6 to in three hours and 20 minutes. It seems like the offense is getting its groove back. A lot went well yesterday. How about Hazel Cesardo? Let's give him credit. Went down to AAA, started yesterday, threw the ball well. But really the big story going into today is how are we really going to handle these pitchers getting checked? We've been at it, Cody, for what, one day? Or do we call it a, a day and a half? I guess yesterday would be day two. Yesterday would have been day two. So we're in, today is day three. So and, today, Wednesday? Yeah, today's Wednesday. So today's okay. the third day. Once again, during the baseball season, they all start running together. All right, so it's almost been because we've had games earlier today. Is that correct? Yeah, we did. The Phillies and Nats played earlier today, believe it or not. So we can now call it two and a half days, and already there's issues. Already confrontation. And you're 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 basically two days in. We saw Sergio Romo yesterday, was not thrilled by it. You know, pitchers who do not have a good outing, and you're gonna call come off and say, Hey, I want to check you. These guys are gonna be, whether you like it or not, they're gonna be pretty bent. I mean, when you're a pitcher and you come out and you have all this adrenaline and you don't throw well, and you give up runs, and you give up home runs, and then you come off the mound? Yeah, I mean, I should you do it? Probably not. It's not the man. It's not the umpire's fault. But in the heat of the moment, it is what it is. And then you had Max Scherzer checked not once, not twice, three times by Joe Girardi yesterday to where they're now check, making him take his hat off and checking his hair. Like, how is this going to go down day after day after day? 
at some, and, and you know what? It's the pitcher's fault. They took it too far. I get it. But at some point, when it's when does the other team get penalized for making you check players and they're wrong? And how many do you get, Cody? If you, I, I know I asked you this last night, and you were drinking at the San Jose Giants game. Did you do you ever find that like how many times for me the opposing manager can I can I say go check Max Scherzer? I didn't see a definitive answer on that because, I mean, we saw Scherzer get checked three times, and Joe Girardi's explanation after the game was interesting. Uh, I pulled the comments if you want to hear what Girardi had to say after the game. I, I know what he said after the game, but maybe not everybody heard it. Let's hear from Joe. I've seen Max a long time, since 2010. Um, obviously, he's going to be a Hall of Famer. Um, but I've never seen him wipe his head like he was doing tonight, ever, um, going like this, right? So it was suspicious for me. He did it about four or five times. Um, it was suspicious. I didn't mean to offend anyone. I just got to do what's right for our club. Does he have a reputation as a guy that might load it a little bit? I, 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 and, and I, you, maybe you had a heads up there? I, I, no, I, no, I didn't have any heads up. But, again, like I said, I've seen Max pitch a long time, and I've never seen him do that, and that's why I did it. And what prompted you the next inning to go on the field and basically challenge their club? No, I wasn't challenging their club. There were some coaches that were screaming at me, right, and coaches that I know, and it, it bothered me, right? I mean, I'm, I'm not playing games, trying to win games here. I'm not playing games, and I have respect for the other people over there. I have respect for what Max has done in his career. But, again, i got to do what's right for our team. Two days into the process, and this is where we're at. Wow. Once again, we're not talking about young players that are great. We're not talking about all-star game and how this could be an epic all-star game with so much young talent and trying to revive the home run derby. And Shohei Atani's amazing. This guy's going to be in home run derby. Is he going to pitch in the game? Is he going to hit in the game? There's so many good things we could be talking about, but we're not. Because this is what is the most interesting thing going on in the game right now. What would he have in his hair? I mean, that would be going to not loading up the baseball for grip. If you're going to go to your hair, I don't know where they were playing. Were they playing in Washington? But it doesn't matter. It was in Philly. If Washington or Philly right now, it is humid as hell. And if you've ever been in humidity, what happens to your head when you're in humidity in humidity with a hat on? I can tell you, you sweat and you sweat a lot. How is Max Scherzer getting grip? If anything, he'd be doing the Gaylord Perry and he'd have some Vagisil. You put snot on the ball. But that wouldn't be for grip. So Joe Girardi yesterday was just messing with Max Scherzer. Why? Because he could. Because Max Scherzer was dominant, even though he was five and dive. I believe he was five and dive. Yeah, he won five innings. Struck out eight, walked three, and that start. And Scherzer even said after the game, it wasn't very hot out. So I don't know. He was pretty much saying like you know, after the after the game, like, like you know why. 
why is he going to me? It wasn't even hot. Like it's like I was going through, you know, rubbing through my hair or anything like that. Like it's not like it was a you hot day. You wouldn't put spider tack in your hair. <laughs> yeah. So he, he, put put it this way: a pitcher that goes out on the mound is going to sweat. You're going to perspire. No matter what, I mean, your heart rate's up, blood's moving all through your body. You got adrenaline going. You're going to sweat. So if you're going to your hair, you're not going to a sticky substance, you're going to moisture. Now, if I get, if I'm getting moisture from my head and rosin, that's legal. I don't know. May, I mean, I, I've never sprayed, put it this way. I played a little golf today. I put some sunscreen on. I've never done it though on my hair. So I don't, but I mean, it, this we're two days in and we already have controversy. Well, the commissioner has spoken, according to The Athletic. They have comments today in The Athletic from Commissioner Rob Manfred. The question was, how do you think the foreign substance crackdown is going? Here's what the commissioner had to say. I'm going to read the quotes from him. Remember, my, friend of the program, do not get after my commissioner. This is Commissioner Manfred's comments, not my own. This is in The Athletic. My view is the first two days have gone very well. We've had no objections for foreign substances. Players in general have been extremely cooperative. The inspections have taken place quickly and between innings. Frankly, the data suggests that we're making progress with respect to the issues and spin rate that caused us to undertake the effort in the first place. I understand the incident in Philadelphia was less than ideal, but that was one incident, and we expect that we will continue in the vast majority of cases so far with that kind of incident, without that kind of incident. So the commissioner believes that the first two days have gone very well. Outside of what happened in Philadelphia, there really hasn't been anything, besides Sergio Romo ripping his belt off and dropping his pants, you know, in, in a humorous way. Other than that, we haven't had, really have had a lot of issues. Yeah, but isn't that great for baseball, having a pitcher come off the mound and, and drop trial? Uh, yeah, I mean, my dad called me and asked me about it. He's like, what, what's, yeah. what happened in that game? My dad, who doesn't even watch baseball, asked me about it. Well, and then here's the other thing that I saw yesterday on the YouTube broadcast, which I did like. Um, I don't remember which Rangers reliever it was, but YouTube cameras went to the umpires as they checked this one pitcher, and the guy just did a half-assed job. He barely looked at his he barely looked at his glove and his hat. And day two, you already got umpires that are like, eh, okay, you're good. They don't want to do this. The umpires, they're they're not into this. I mean, what 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 do you think they're gonna be like in August? You think they want to check every pitcher? You think they want to do this every single game? This this may you know how rules get implemented. And at the very start, I hate to say this for Raider fans, like the tuck rule. Like after the tuck rule game, the next season, they started calling it for the first half of the season. You haven't seen it since. I, they're going to go through the motions here for a little bit. I don't know how long this is going to go. Where we're checking every guy after every single outing. And they may check them, but it's going to be like a brief look at your hat, a brief look at your glove. I give you kind of, uh, here's my belt. Uh, okay. And who knows wh who who knows where I'm putting these substances? But if you're going to already, after two days, 
kind of just going through the motion. What does it tell you about this new rule? Well, even like last night, like I was at the, like you mentioned, I was at the San Jose Giants game watching them play Rancho Cucamonga, the Dodgers low A affiliate. They uh, after every time a pitcher came out of the game, they checked the pitcher coming out of the game. They checked his glove, his his mitt, and everything. And I was like, wow, they're even doing, they're even cracking down in low A, which of course they're going to. They even check when they checked Shohei Otani today because he's pitching tag against the Giants. Uh, when they did with Otani, he was smiling and like laughing the whole time they were doing it. Like Otani was like he wasn't like he was causing no issues the whole time. But the only guy that had an issue was Max Scherzer, and I get it because from what I saw in the rules, it says that your every starting pitcher has a mandatory one check, and then the uh, all the other pitching the che- other checks all pitches regardless of whether. Uh, the opposing club's manager makes a request. So the the manager can make a request well, as many times. How many requests can he make? It, it doesn't say how many. It just says he can make a request. So, I mean, Joe Girardi was playing games with him, and that's why it led to uh, – we're not going to have time to play the audio because we're going to get to Don Troll in a minute. But the uh, the audio from Mike Rizzo, the GM of the Nationals, he was on radio in D.C. today. He pretty much called my uh, Joe Girardi a con artist. Ooh. And he said he was playing games. He was just playing games Ooh. the whole time. Wait, we're at 350. We don't have – Don Trail for three minutes. How long is this cut? Uh, two minutes long. Let's play it. All right. Here, here's Mike Rizzo on with uh, 106.7 The Fan in D.C. Do you think Girardi was playing games there? Of course he was. What are we, idiots? Of course he was. <laughs> I agree. It's embarrassing for Girardi. It's embarrassing for the Phillies. It's embarrassing for baseball. Yes, he was playing games. And, uh, hey, that's his right, uh, you know. Gamesmanship had nothing to do with uh, substances. He had no probable cause to uh, to ask for it. The ump shouldn't allow have allowed it, uh, but it happened, and you got to deal with it. This this is the uh, this is what what we're going to have to deal with. And uh, and you know uh, you think you're going to intimidate a Max Scherzer and and that type of thing. Uh, you know it's it's just not going to happen. You're going to just you're just going to piss them off and make them and make them. Uh, uh, concentrate that much harder uh you know this is this is about breaking max's rhythm and uh, and frustrating him and that type of thing and it, it didn't work our bullpen pitched great we got some timely hits and and we beat the phillies so we move on we play him today again so that's good well our partner here Eric pickle believed joe girardi after the game doesn't think it's gamesmanship no 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 i think that factored in don't speak for me i think it factored in but i do believe him when he said he just was flummoxed by him going to his head all the time. I think he tried to get him off his rhythm a little bit, but I think ultimately I agree with Mike, too, that backfires. I think you do that with other pitchers, but if you piss off Max Scherzer, that's going to go the other way on you. So I don't think that was necessarily his goal. That was his goal. Uh, he's a con out of this. He, 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 he got you with- – he got you in the in the con, so uh, <laughs> you believe it, and uh, that's that's just the way, that's the way it is. He's been doing that for years on TV, and uh, that's, uh, that's wow. So hold on, so you're that, not that's a cool. Joe Girardi fan at all. Doesn't sound no, like I it. love Joe Girardi. I've seen him play since he was in high school in Peoria, Illinois. I scouted him in Northwestern. I, I know him well, but I, I know him well. That's you that's know him too well. Him. You know him too well, Riz. That's the problem. I know him. <laughs> That is so sports radio 101. One guy's going to take one side. Exactly. One guy's going to take the other side. Trust me, I've been there and done that. Don Trail, Chris Townsend with the Oakland A's. How are you? Good, sir. How are you? Uh, We're just talking about it. We're two days into it, and already 
We got some pitchers and some managers, <laughs> and uh, guys are getting checked. No one's been hey, I even noticed Dontro last night in our YouTube game. There was okay. one, there was one Ranger reliever that the umpire barely checked him, and I'm like, this is day two. What's it going to be like in a month? You know, very exhausting. It's almost like a parent watching a six-year-old. After a while, you just let them play with the toys all over the living room. And it's going to be a royal mess, but you welcome it. And so, and, and already in 36 hours of this, you know, it's already been used as a tactic. You saw what happened to Max Scherzer. You know, I love my guy Romo, so you know how he was going to come out and be able to address that, you know, almost dressing naked just to get guys off his back. And, you know, the umpires, they don't want to be TSA agents. You know, they already have – a tough time trying to call the game correctly so but uh you know checking scalp uh checking belts it it's really turned into a mess and the, you know, the one aspect i talked to dallas braden about is you know you're going to see managers try to use this as a tactic to try to get in the head of the starting pitcher or the reliever especially if they're rolling and, and you've already seen that already in day two yeah how bad of a look is that for our game if a guy goes out there and he's just, let's say Dontrell Willis back in the day is out there just dominating a team. And now because you're dominating, the other manager is saying, hey, go check him a couple innings in a row. I mean, what are you going to do? Well, you know, you just try to handle it with class, but at the same time, you know, I mean, if I get angry enough, somebody might get some bacon cut off their back. And what I mean by that is somebody might get smoked, <laughs> you know, just to try to send a message, you know, if, especially if you understand the tactic from the opposing manager, especially if he doesn't like you or like we talked about earlier, trying to get into your head. But I don't think it's so much going to bother the pace of play. I just think the antics after a while doing this on a daily basis, I think you're going to see more and more guys uh, express their anger and just be frustrated because being checked, I mean, like a Delta TSA agent every other inning or during the inning, it, it's going to get redundant after a while. And I was thinking like Romo yesterday, and this is what it's going to be like going forward. If you're a reliever and you go out and you do not have a bad and you have a bad outing, even a starter too, right? You, you, you're already going to be, you're agitated. You just gave up, <laughs> right? You just gave up a three-run home run, or whatever you've just done has been negative, and now you come off the mound, and they're going to check you. I, I, this this could be. You could see a lot of guys not being thrilled with this after they give up some runs. Oh, absolutely. It's, you know, you've already seen the benches cleared. You saw Joe Girardi challenging Max Scherzer to a fight, <laughs> which is something you don't see every day. But, you know, you, you just have to go into it with a mindset that you're going to be checked, you're going to be messed with. And then if you're not cheating, you have nothing to worry about. But I will say this, you know, half my friends are hitters. And the argument I make is, you know, when guys are cheating and putting a stick and you guys are still hitting 30, 40 home runs a year anyway. So, yeah, you know, and I'm not validating that i'm just explaining you know if you talk to a lot of hitters uh they'd rather have a guy that knows where the ball's going and has you know confidence command to be able to come across the plate and so the thing i'm watching is guys getting agitated and then more hit by batters because you know guys are going to lose the command of the baseball especially in these some of these drier areas and what have you you know tonight james caprellian on the mound for the athletics just how impressed have you been the way he's come up, own the moment, and he's right. no question a member of this starting five. 
You, you know, his his mound presence is what sticks out to me. You know, every time he deals with adversity, you know, we've seen him throw a ball away and help uh, runners advance. He's like, that's okay. You know, I'll just go out there and just command the strike zone and continue to get, you know, execute pitch by pitch. Obviously, his stuff is plus, you know, fastball anywhere from 94 to 97 miles an hour. My slider, though, from him is the favorite pitch I love to see out of him because guys just don't pick up on the spin. But, you know, his mound presence is everything, and, and I don't see him going to, back to Las Vegas anytime soon, especially the spots he's been. He's already pitched big in Boston, pitched big in New York. So this is a guy that's going to be a mainstay for a long time. Yeah, my joke with him is the next time he goes to Vegas, it's going to be on vacation. <laughs> Bellagio, right? Yeah, you got to live your life. Yeah, it's going to be a pool party the next time. <laughs> he's going to be golfing and he's going to be hanging out at the pool. You know, you were like this too. And when, when you, when you, when a guy has a lot of uh, a backwards K's, it means guys right. aren't seeing him. And you had a lot of those. Just talk about that. When you have your good stuff, guys aren't seeing it and they're not swinging at strike three. You know, the one thing about it is deception, uh, uh, conviction on the mound, throwing through the target, uh, all of those things factor. And you see Caprillion because he, he, you know, he hides the ball well. It's kind of a funky arm action, which I know a lot about, <laughs> you, you know. So you kind of, you know, the hitter doesn't able to pick up the ball. And when it gets in the hitting zone, the last 10 feet, the ball stays true through the zone, which also gets hitters to chase the slider because they don't see the spin off the baseball and they chase out of the zone. So, you know, he's going to get a lot of swings and misses with that. I think he has great fastball command, especially to the outer side of the right-handed batter. And, you know, you're going to continue to see that. I just I just worry for him to stay out of hitter-friendly counts, you know, and if he's able to do that, he should have a good outing. Well, talk about Matt Olson. I mean, this guy, he's got a 21-game on base streak, hitting 405 during that time, seven home runs, 22 RBIs. He's got a 10-game hitting streak. We're seeing him go the other way. We're seeing him beat the shift. And when you have this kind of power and hit over 300, talk about as a pitcher when you face a guy like this, how tough he is when he when he's hitting it all over the yard. Well, you know, you cross yourself and pray that he, he went out all night and he's a little groggy because <laughs> if he's locked in, he's definitely going to be able to square up the baseball. And, you know, you, like you talked about, the growth of him understanding, one, how the pitchers are going to attack him especially up and in because he's a big guy, a long-arm guy. They're going to try to tie him up and also soft away. So when he sees situational hitting, if there's runners on and the shift is on, he'll take that base hit to left and be able to get an RBI and also keep the line moving. So I think he's done a great job this year of just knowing when to attack pitches and try to hit the ball out of the ballpark. I mean, he's got one of the sweetest swings in all of baseball, and it's truly unfair, and I have to do a better job on the national scale to pump him up because he's one of the the best uh, first baseman in all of baseball all around, you know, offensively, defensively, sure-handed glove. Everything he does is a big reason why the A's are in the place they are right now. Now, I know you you like to hit back in the day, but today, <laughs> but today was history as Shohei Otani was the designated hitter and the pitcher, and it made history by the National League team actually using a DH, and the Angels didn't. The Giants used Alex Dickerson. I mean, to have a guy hit and pitch legitly in the same game, how amazing is that? 
Wow, man, I watched a little bit of the game before I came to NBC, and it brought a tear to my eye. You know, I, I'm so I'm so proud, and, and it's so cool to be around and actually witness history. You know, uh, Justin Upton's a really good friend of mine, and he said, train, he's got more power than anybody I've ever seen. And I was like, no way. So I got a chance to see him firsthand in that cage, and the ball just absolutely jumps off his bat. Honestly, there's nothing that this guy can't do on the baseball field. I mean, he can run, he can throw. I mean, he can throw from the outfield. You can put him at first base. It doesn't matter. And he has power to all fields. I mean, the the guy takes a swing like he's trying to hit a base hit and the ball goes out of center field. I mean, it's truly, truly a marvel to see. And on the mound, he's still got a stuff. You know, one of the nastiest breaking balls in all of baseball, and he can reach back and throw 100 miles an hour. I mean, this is this is a guy that you need to buy a ticket and see, even if you're not a fan of the Angels. And they say he's as fast as Mike Trout. Hey, listen, he gets he gets up the line in four strides. I'm like, look, CeCe Sabathia and me talked about him a lot, and he's truly the best baseball player on earth right now, hands down. I, it, it's just it, – it, and, and I still can't believe scouts went over there and they went, oh, yeah, he's a great pitcher, but his bat won't play at the big league level. I, you know, it's tough because, you know, it, it's hard to be successful at the big league level at one, you know, one position, whether you're a pitcher or a position player, we all know that. So, you know, we put our insecurities off on him and he's proven us wrong every single day. And to be honest with you, with the loss of Mike Trout for a significant time, he's the mainstay in that lineup. And obviously J- Justin Upton's been picking it up in that lineup as well, but he's been the main threat. And when you're the main threat every single time and you still factor that proves that you're one of the best players in the game. Do you think this will open more eyes and allow more guys who potentially could do this get an opportunity at least to try? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> you know, people ask me all the time when I started to struggle pitching, you know, why didn't I take the Rick Ankill route? And I always give the same answer. I said, would you want to see me in the outfield behind you? And I get the same response. It's like, no, I don't want to see that, you know, but, uh, I always had an appreciation for guys being able to play every single day. I mean, my God, Otani played yesterday in the field, and he's on the mound today. And so the the the, the season's really long. It's really grueling. Uh, guys break down. You're already seeing a ton of injuries in baseball. I, I just, you know, the guys are making too much money now, $30, $40 million a year. It's too big of an investment to risk. And uh, every time he's on the mound, I actually watch him with one eye open, hoping he doesn't get hurt because that's just a lot of wear and tear on his body. So I don't, I don't see that really going to be happening down the line. You know, when you look at uh, there has been a lot of injuries, do you buy that it's because we only had 60 games last year or is this just something that's more normal than we think? Uh, it might be a combination of both, but you know, the, the athlete himself or herself, you know, they do a ton of training that is different than back 20 years ago. You know, they come in the spring training ready, but when you're breaking your body down in December, October, to try to get yourself ready for spring, that's still miles on a tire. If you know what I mean? So, you know, you're seeing guys are stronger and they're throwing harder, but at the same time, when you're throwing that slider at max effort at 92 miles an hour uh, and you're swinging, you know, for the fence every time, you're more prone to have wrist injuries. You're more prone to have elbow injuries and back injuries as well. So you're seeing a lot more of that because guys are this max effort, but rightfully so because, you know, the money and the contracts are so large in sports now. You kind of have to train that way to get yourself ready to get ahead of the curve. Hey, great stuff. We always love having you on the program. Have a great broadcast tonight. All right, thanks. Thanks for having me.
Dontrell Willis. You'll see him on NBC Sports California, A's pre and post game live. Coming up next, it's Ray Fossey. It's a Wednesday right here on A's Cast Live. Hi, this is Sean Manaya. Sean Manaya has no hit the Red Sox. And you're listening to A's Cast, your 24 7 destination for A's baseball. All right, I just looked this up. Let's see if it's going to work here. Matt Chapman talking about what they do. It was truly one of the great entrances in the history of sports. The Chicago Bulls back in the day. Just fitting for Ray Fossey. The Alan Parsons Project? I know my music. Can you hear it good, Cody? Yeah, I got it. It was incredible. Because this is one of the greatest basketball teams of all time. And the fans... Ray, how are you? <laughs> I wanted to hear the rest of that, man. Oh, it's incredible. <laughs> well, that's what they're doing. In the clubhouse, after wins for A's, they got fog machines, they got laser, yeah. and they play this entrance song, and guys are taking free throws because they're now in the uh, old Raiders locker room, which is a really yeah. a huge locker room. Um, uh, they're having a good time, Ray. Well, they should be. And, and you know, uh, I, I'm glad because I heard Bob Melvin talking about that he actually – uh, participated in the in the shoot uh, they gave him maybe when he eclipsed the record uh, or tied the record for most victories as a coach or manager of the athletics uh, Oakland Athletics and uh, uh, but yeah he said a lot of pressure a lot of pressure so I, I can imagine I mean you got you got the entire ball club plus staff and you know they're all they're, I'm sure it's 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 not mandatory but you better be there and uh, so when when they're shooting the hoops. And you miss. Oh, I can only imagine. But, you know, I, I've been in the, the Raiders locker room when they were the Raiders because the A's batting cage was just right outside there. So there were times that I'd go into the Raiders locker room and do an interview, nice and quiet, very, very big. But I can only imagine now the way they have it set up. Uh, they, they have, they've had plenty of time to, you know, section off different things. I guess they're using the uh, original clubhouse as a weight room. So, a lot of changes have been made, but you know, like I said, we don't know. <laughs> but I'm happy. I'm happy to hear they're doing that because you know it gives the players. I wouldn't say incentive to win, but something to look forward to when the game is over, knowing that they're going up there. And and Tony, you know, in reality, that allows them because of the Zoom calls and because of the way uh, the interviews are done now by the by the press, that gives the players a chance to really take as much time as they want. And then whomever is going to be asked to do a Zoom call goes and does it wherever they do it. So I, I think it works out great. And uh, just keep winning, keep having those those um, big celebrations. And I, I can only imagine how great that is. You know, we, we were just happy to go in and get a beverage, you know. So uh, <laughs> get dressed and, <laughs> get dressed and leave, you know, and that, that – and, you know, we didn't even throw our, 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 our uniforms and undergarments in the middle of the floor. We actually put them in baskets because then they took them straight to uh, the laundry room to wash them. You know, now they just, you know, wherever you are, you, you get out of whatever you're wearing. And 
somebody picks it up for you. So times have changed, but, uh, you know, it, it's just like the old saying goes, Tony, you go to somebody's house, you put your feet up on their, uh, their, um, their end table, not end table, but their uh, coffee table. And somebody says, do you do that in your own house? I said, no, then why are you doing it here? So, you know, it's kind of the same thing. Do you take off your stuff and just throw it in the middle of the room at home? No, then don't do it here. But, you know, I, I'm happy for them. I'm happy that they're celebrating the way they are because uh, they are playing well. And, and to come back last night to win the way they did, um, and, and everybody contributed. I, I think that was good. I don't know what happened to Cole Irvin because the way he was dominating 40 pitches of four innings and then all of a sudden – but, you know, maybe it got to the point that he was throwing so many strikes that the, uh, the the Rangers hitters said, heck with this, we're not going to wait around to get behind with that 0-1 count that you always talk about. And it might as well just jump on the first pitch, which uh, they started doing. Next thing you know, they put together some uh, some runs. And, you know, fortunately, um, they being the Rangers made a few mistakes, which helped the A's add on a little bit later. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those games where you get out to that er early lead and it's just, you know, you got to keep maintaining it. But the good thing was late in the game, adding on. And uh, yeah. I, I think I, the, the fact that you only had to have Lou Trevino for two pitches looms yeah. well for the next two days. I'm glad you brought that up, Tony, because uh, I actually said it on radio last night. Uh, we were doing our uh, A's cast radio Oakland A's, A's cast on uh, on the radio, and I was happy to be on with Ken and Vince doing that game, but um, and doing the same tonight. But you know, when when Lou got out of the jam, now selfishly he could have gone back out for the ninth and, and gotten a save. But you know, as I said then, and I'll say now that that's the way this club is. That very unselfish. That you know, more than likely Bob Melvin and Scott Emerson didn't even have to talk. To Lou Trevino. It was just assumed that, hey, I got out of the jam. I don't need this save for my, my resume, for my totals for the season. We need wins. And if I can, you know, save a few, few bullets for maybe tonight's game or tomorrow um, over the weekend against San Francisco, then, you know, maybe that's a bullet or two that can be saved and was saved last night. So I, I commend Lou. I uh, commend also the, the A's team in general to be able to make that decision. And I'm sure zero people, nobody made any mention about that. And I, I thought it was admirable on Lou's part and, and the ball club's part to be able to do that. Yeah. And, and, and Lou's become a weapon and I, yeah. it, it's interesting, Ray year, you know, year after year, you don't know what you're getting with certain relievers. And I mean, even look at the Texas Rangers, Ian Kennedy's doing a good job for them. He's going to be up as trade bait, but you just, you never know what you're getting with, with, with uh, relievers. Yeah, you, you're right. And that's why to me, it's, it's very hard unless your name is Mariano Rivera or, or maybe Trevor Hoffman or, or Raleigh Fingers. And I'm throwing out Hall of Famers, obviously, but you know, you, you don't know what you're getting. And, and it's got to be very hard from management standpoint to say, okay, we're going to give you a multi-year deal. You know, Blake Trinan's a perfect example of that. Uh, Blake had a great year in 18. Uh, what, just numbers that were so unbelievable. And he goes to arbitration, he wins, and then does terribly in 2019 to the point that the A's designated him for assignment that the Dodgers picked him up. But, but there is a perfect case of you see this guy doing so well in one year, and you're saying, wow. We get that in 19. Man, this is going to be a great season. And it was nothing close to that. Fortunately, Liam Hendricks stepped in, did what he did, 
and then continued last year. And now, of course, he's made a boatload of money as a free agent. But, but you know, you're, you're exactly right. You really don't know what you're getting. Uh, you're, you're hoping. Uh, I, I don't know that it's physical. It, it might be other teams figuring out what you're doing to get out. In the case of Lou, that's why I think that Lou will stand out and be successful because Lou has the ability to throw four pitches. You notice when he sets up in his, in his, uh, in his position as he sets up in a stretch before he gets his sign, he sets himself up in a, in a change-up, a, a circle change-up grip. Uh, unless your name is Trevor Hoffman or Doug Jones, how many closers throw a change-up? You know, it, unless it's like, well, Felix Hernandez was a was a uh, a starter, but you know, he's he's throwing a ninety mile hour changeup. Same with Rich Harden. But you know, typically it, it's sinker slider and go get him. But Lou's got two and four seam fastball. He's got a curveball. He's got a slider, cutter, changeup. So I think from his standpoint, he could have a long career as a closer simply because he can mix and match all of his pitches not just pigeonhole himself into one particular pitch or two pitches to where that the other clubs can start saying, okay, he'll throw this pitch. Uh, it's a chase pitch. He wants you to swing at it. It's not a strike. All of a sudden guys start taking that pitch and lo and behold, guy gets in trouble, gives up a long shot. And here we go. So uh, I think that's where Luke can set himself apart to be a good closer in the future. So I'm not sure how much of the YouTube broadcast you got to watch, but at one point, they showed the umpire checking one of the Rangers pitchers and he barely checked them. And I'm like, man, we're two days in and we're already at this. And then you have what your friend, your good friend, Joe Girardi, we'll call it that, uh, playing games with Max Scherzer. I mean, two days in, it's already, we're seeing some issues with it. I mean, what do you think this is going to be like in August and September? Well, you know what? Max Scherzer did not mix any words. He said, this is all on the commissioner. I mean, how many guys would have the guts to say that, knowing that the commissioner is in charge of all of baseball? Yet Max Scherzer says, this is on him. This is what he caused. You know, uh, you you've said it. I think other people have said it. That if you're going to implement a new rule, typically it's done in the offseason. You get both sides agreeing to it, players and owners. And then you start in spring training. And then you go forward. Well, all of a sudden, they give you a week's notice. And you got to change everything. And, and just because the spin rate comes out, you know, I, I just wonder if in the scouting reports, the, uh, the spin rate was not mentioned for all the pitches. If we'd had still some of the same stuff that's going on now. I asked Dallas Braden uh, when, when the A's were home this last homestand. And, you know, we never talking about this. I said, Dallas, as a pitcher, how much is what's happening now with the substance related to the spin rate that they're all talked about. He said 100% because it makes sense, Sally, that if you're looking at the spin rate, I mean, I, I can't imagine two and four seam fastball. They've got spin rates. They've got a curveball, slider, change up. I'm going, how do you do this? You know, maybe it's all based on velocity and all that kind of stuff or movement. But, um, but there, there's a mention of the spin rate. So let's say hypothetically a spin rate on a fastball is 2,300, and then it drops down to 2,100. Whoa, 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 something's wrong here. What were you using to jump it up 200 points uh, and now it's down 200? So um, I, I just think that uh, Tyler Glass now probably was correct, and, and Max Scherzer saying that if you're going to do this, good in the offseason 
and the beginning of spring training. Don't do it in the middle of the season where you have so many guys concerned. And and back to your original point, it was ridiculous last night. And then, you know, there was a shot of Otani, uh, I guess he pitched today, and he came off the mound and, you know, he took off his cap and gave him his glove and then said thank you and all this kind of stuff. Well, you know, my my thinking always has been, let's say a reliever comes in, Tony. He comes in out of the bullpen. He pitches three uh, to three batters, or let's say he gets a one, two, three inning. He's checked when he comes off the mound. Let's say they find something. Do they replay that half inning? You know what? What? Is, so so why are you checking somebody after the fact? If if you're going to check them, check them before they come in the game. But that would take up time because they do it during the commercial break when basically it's not taking up time to do the checking. But you know, uh, if something's found, the guy's going to get suspended. But my question is, what happens to that half inning that he, let's say, strikes out three batters because he had some substance? And who knows? So, so why not? Why not check you beforehand? So I think there's a lot of things that are going on in this uh, this new rule that could be changed, but it's going to be hard to do it during the season. We're 75 games into the season, or 162. You know, it, it's 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 going to be really different. I, I'm I, I'm anxious to find out that once the the uh, American National League All Star teams get together, and then you start getting former players talking about different things, getting their opinions on, um, you know, when to do it, when not to do it, why are you doing it. It's got to be kind of an interesting uh, conversation piece going forward this summer. Well, yeah, and if Girardi and guys like Girardi are going to go out and they're going to make pitchers be checked three, four times, I mean, at what point – I mean, how many times can you do it? How can you – I mean, if you're using it as a, a way to make the pitcher angry and get him off his game, is there going to be any penalties for the opposing manager if they keep calling for it? I mean, hmm. I, you know, it's kind of – I don't know. Wild, wild west. We have no idea, like really, what the true rules are with this thing. I don't think there are any, Tony. I really don't think. And you know, for people who want to go back in the history and look at 1972, uh, I, I think I started to mention this one time with you, but um, Ken Espermani was managing Cleveland, and the American League president sent down a letter stating that at any time during a ball game, an opposing manager can ask the home plate umpire to check the pitcher for any foreign substance. Well, it was directed at one guy because that meeting that we had in, in, in Old Comiskey Park consisted of Gaylord Perry, Ken Aspromani, and me. And he was emphatic saying, you know, it's not just you. This was a Friday, Tony, on a Sunday afternoon, second game of a doubleheader. Um, I, I think the score was one-to-one -one in the seventh inning. And I kept looking over Gaylord's pitch. I kept looking over to Chuck Tanner. And I'm thinking, why aren't you coming out? Well, as Dick Allen strode to the plate, here comes Chuck Tanner. And so kind of a sleight of hand. And I stood at home plate with Dick Allen. And the umpire went to the mound and said, he's got nothing. Of course, he did. <laughs> but uh, no. uh, the, 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 the first pitch to Dick Allen, I called for slider because I figured that he had none. And I called for slider. And uh, he shifted the B pitch, and it did nothing. And Dick Allen crushed for home run. So that was a situation where it's like, do you do you um, do you call a chit, or do you wait until it really means something? Because 
uh, it's just like with a, a batter hitting out of order. Do you do it as soon as you see it, or do you wait to see when he gets a hit that maybe decides the game, and then you pull out the lineup card and say he he batted out of order? So, but but Chuck Tanner did it, and you know the rest of that season, it it was kind of funny to be honest um, uh, to to see the umpires and uh, remember Rod Carew, I know a friend of your program uh, came up to play with the Twins, and he goes. You know, these guys are so psyched out. They think he's throwing. He's not doing anything. And I said, yeah, Rodney, you're right. Three of the most unbelievable <laughs> sinkers I've ever seen in my life. As as Rod Carew went back to the dugout shaking his head, I went, yep, they're just got it in their mind that they're thinking that he's throwing something that he's really not. But, uh, but you know, Tati, then that was that was a different um, different substance for different reasons. Uh, the stick of now evidently is to get a grip to be able to spin the baseball. Now you were a pitcher. Maybe you could describe what it was like to either have a high seam or something on your fingers that you could really grip it and, and, and let the ball go to where you got maximum spin rate out of that. Let's say a curveball or a slider. Um, what, what did it, how much did it help you? Not, we had nothing, Ray. Well, I was talking to, I was talking to, I was talking to an old college teammate we were like, man, a lot of the games we played in, we didn't even have a rosin bag. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, college, you think in the – I mean, you got to remember, I played in the early 90s. It was a long time ago. We had no substances. The only guy that we ever thought used substances was Gaylord Perry, and I was never going to use Vaseline. I mean, I had no clue that I, – I look back on it now. I we, No one ever talked about sunscreen, and, I mean, that just wasn't – you didn't even think now if you had a scuffed ball and you could dig your nail into it for like a knuckle curve, then okay, then I'm all in. But actually having something on my fingers had nothing. Hmm. Well, that's interesting. So you're talking about in the nineties, so all this evidently came around after that? And it had to be. I don't know anybody. So, like I, I can ask around to guys that I played with because we're all still good friends. Like, did you ever use pine tar? I mean, hmm. I I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't even think about pine tar putting that on the ball. But then again, Ray, well, I, I I was just getting up there throwing as hard as I could. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, I, I could see where if if you had um, some sort of stickum on your fingers that when you grabbed any part of the baseball, you know, again, I always look for seams, and you can see pitchers taking their fingernails and and taking the seams of a baseball. And lifting them, correct. So yeah. they would they would be able to get a higher seam and, and better spin rate off of that. But I would assume that now, if if you put stick them on your fingers, that you could grab any part of the baseball, and you're going to get a similar effect that that say guys who legitimately did it with the seams, uh, popping those up or having high seams and be able to do it that way. So I I don't know, but all I know it's causing a lot of havoc and it's causing people to be aware of, uh, you know, uh, someone on your show talked about uh, Frankie Montas' splitter the other night, uh, that, that maybe whatever he might have been using, yet Gossman, who I think is pitching, did he pitch today against uh, Otani? Uh, um, I don't know. But anyway, Gossman with the Giants said, I throw a lot of change-ups and splitters. I have to use any of this stuff because, because I put the baseball between – my index and middle finger on my throwing hand. So it, it's more of a tips of the finger on the skin 
that maximizes the type of grip. Now, Glassell said that because he was not able to use anything, he had to uh, get a different type of grip on the baseball, which caused the muscles in his his arm, his forearm, and, and evidently his elbow um, to to be, get damaged or whatever. So uh, I, I don't know, but uh, I, I would think that different pitches, and I would automatically see, Tyler, I never thought about a fastball having a spin rate. I never thought about that. I could understand a, a curveball or a slider, but I could never imagine how they could determine the spin rate on a four-seam fastball or, or two-seam fastball. The two-seam fastball, you see the movement. I don't care what the spin rate is. The ball's moving. You know, it moves from, let's say, middle of the plate, righty to lefty, and it moves off the plate. To me, that's a great two-seam fastball. Now, how the stick'em, how that affects it, I have no clue. Uh, four-seam fastball, there was a shot last night. It was a great slow-mo that showed a four-seam fastball that was absolutely crushed. And you can see the grip of the baseball by the pitcher, which basically a four-seam, you take the horseshoe and you take the seams of a baseball and you just, I mean, essentially you're on two of the seams and then it's the same uh, on the other side. So there's your, there's your four-seam fastball and two-seam is offset, you know, but, but I, just, I just don't see how they – they would able to be able to get spin rates, but I guess they can because they that's all they talk about now is spin rate. Well, Ray, back in the day when I wanted stick them, I you know, I'm so old school, I'd go shake hands with Jack Tatum or the Hall of Famer Fred <laughs> the Lindenhall. I didn't really stick them back in the day, like the Raiders. Yeah, yeah, the Raiders. Hey, uh, was was it I was trying to think the other day, slippery elm. Isn't that what they use to put in the mouth to get uh, liquid to be able to throw the true spitter, and then they outlawed slippery elm. It, w- it was like a piece of wood that I think you put in your mouth, and it created saliva. And you could and put your put your fingers in your mouth and create movement on a baseball by doing it that way. But I remember slippery elm. If you look it up, I think it was outlawed. But you, you know, you think about Tally, um, how many guys. You're not to go to your fingers on the mound, which you were not able to before, as long as you wipe your fingers. So if someone is not going to his mouth, does he not want to taste what he's putting on the baseball? <laughs> you know, so, you know, sometimes you can just watch a pitcher and, and see what he does. If he picks up the rosin, you know, um, I, you know, there, there's a lot of things. And you know what's going to happen? You're going to get cameras. You know, we saw what happened a few years ago with the center field camera in Houston. You're going to start seeing cameras now, maybe put up on Major League Baseball, that's strictly on the pitcher. An ISO camera strictly on the pitcher to see if he's doing anything, and then they'll have proof one way or the other if if he is doing anything. But you know what, Tommy? We're talking about something that who knows? It's boring. It's yeah, it really is. It, it's totally. It really is. You know what, Ray? You know, like you've asked me, like, what, what did you use any? The only substance I was worried about back when I was playing was Bud Light. That was the only thing I was. <laughs> uh, well, you know, people would ask me, did I ever put a substance on a baseball? The answer is no, I never did. Because, you know, first of all, I would not know how to do it and how it would affect the baseball. 
So if, if my pitcher did it, you know, I just wanted to know that, uh, let's say if there's a scuff on a baseball and I called for, let's say a four seam fastball and he, and he threw the scuff ball and, you know, more times than not, players don't know how to use a scuff baseball. And, um, but, you know, you'd like to know because there's going to be a tremendous amount of movement, you know, with a scuff baseball, like a two seamer versus if you call a four seam fastball. But, um, I don't know. I, I just think it's uh, much to be said and done about nothing. And I think the way the umpires checked and have checked so far, it's kind of, hey, how you doing? You know, okay. First of all, I've never seen a substance put on the inside of a belt buckle. You know, that was one of, they checked the hat, they checked the gloves, they checked the arms. Okay, let's see a belt buckle. It, it, it's like, it, it's like you're going through the TSA. And, and they want to see if you're, well, you don't even wear your belt anymore. You know, flip it over, you know, see, see what you might have. So I don't know what they're looking for, but maybe somebody, maybe somebody um, said, hey, you, you better check their boat boat clothes because I heard that maybe they're putting something there. Like, come on, you know. Well, I, I, first of all, how are you going to do that and be inconspicuous in, in, in about going to your belt boat? You know, <laughs> Sergio Romo was great last night, wasn't he? He, just, he walked up, threw his cap, threw his glove, took off his belt, started to take his pants. Oh, hold on, hold on, you know. And two games <laughs> in, two games yeah. in. We got a long and, way and to it, go. And they had they had a, a, a split screen today of Max Scherzer kind of doing something similar and Romo and said, the commissioner likes what's happening so far in the first two games. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Ray, have a great call tonight on A's cast, and we'll talk to you. I'll talk to you in a, just a little bit. Okay, buddy. Take care. Have a good evening. All right. Quickly, what do you got for me, Commander? Uh, quickly, because we only have a – well, we're over, but we'll do it quickly. Uh, Mike Fultonevich, over under five innings tonight. His shortest outing, two and, a, two and two-thirds, his longest outing, seven innings. He's done it three times. Over I'm going to go – I'm I, because they, you know, yesterday on the YouTube broadcast, they started the game with nine runs or more over and under. Obviously, it went the over. I'm going to go under. Okay. Mike. Mike Fultonevich has allowed 17 home runs on the year. That leads baseball. Um, he's allowed three home runs in a game twice, once to the Angels, once to the Dodgers. Over under two home runs allowed tonight by Mike Fultonevich against the A's. Uh, I'll go over. Uh, two on James Caprellian. He has 42 strikeouts on the year. His career high is nine, but his last three starts, he's averaged totals of six, seven, and seven. The Rangers have struck out 675 times. That's 21st in, base, 21st in baseball. So that's, that's actually only one question. Over under six strikeouts for James Caprellian tonight versus the Texas Rangers. I will go over. Uh, okay, that's it. That's, that's all I got for you. I'm psyched. Let's get this thing going. I think, I, I, you know. When the A's start getting hot, they get exciting. Because when they hit, they hit in bunches. And if you saw last night, I mean, 13 runs. I mean, it was a great game as they scored two touchdowns and uh, held the opposition to two field goals in their 13-6 to victory. Coming up next is who? Uh, we're just going to play a couple uh, promos before uh, come up, you know, a couple promos and spots before we get up to Ace Total Access. Because oh, I'm, uh, I'm on at what four oh five. Four oh five. So we only got about six, like six minutes, seven minutes in between. So Dontrell Willis, fabulous, and you'll see him on NBC Sports California A's pre and post game live. And you'll hear him on A's Total Access.
That's your and story. you're going to, and thank you to Ray Fossey, the face of the franchise. And we did the special open. That's uh, that's Alan Parsons' project. That's uh, what's the song? Is that serious? Cyrus, sorry, Cyrus. So this is Dennis Rodman. This is the the three after. The old Luke Longley. Ron Harper. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well. Hold on. That guy from North Carolina. All right, we'll talk to you at 405. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.